Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. First hour down, two to go on a gorgeous Sunsplash Monday. It is so nice outside that you ought to just right now just close the sunroof. Be the Colts, baby. <laughs> close that roof. Close that window. Gorgeous day outside. Colts yesterday, tough one. Overtime, losing to the Los Angeles Rams. But there were some positive things to talk about, odd as that sounds. Joining us now on the hotline to talk about that and more from Wish TV and CBS4 in his 40th year, I believe it is, of covering the Indianapolis Colts basically every year since they came over on the Mayflower trucks. Mike Chappell joins us. Uh, Mike, I'll begin with this. Um, I had mentioned earlier, and I want your, your reaction to it. We all have pictures photos of ourselves when we were like 13 14 years old and you you know you got braces and maybe some pimples and you haven't filled out yet and you're just kind of awkward and gangly looking and it's a little bit embarrassing and I think people need to remind themselves that basically hopefully in two to three years they're going to look back on this season and realize that in terms of this franchise it's kind of the gangly headgear wearing pimple face kid because there is a transition taking place before our eyes but you can see the glimpses of where the body's going to fill out and it's actually going to be okay in the end is that a fair assessment from yesterday yeah it's i mean and, and there's always going to be the comparison but 1998 they were three and 13 with, with with the rookie quarterback and again please i'm not comparing richardson to manning at all but and then of course then they took the big jump but yeah, it's, you've got. To, I wrote about it last night. As long as you've got the quarterback, you've got a chance. I mean, and this kid gives you a chance. They're down twenty-three zero, and and they had the ball with a chance to win it. All they needed was like thirty yards on that last drive, and he went, you know, three incompletions with some pressure and some good defense. But I, I just reflected on. 38 to 10, Andrew Lux down, they win. And 35 14 in Tampa, and Manning brings it back. So he gives you a chance. Now, what it what it's going to, what it's going to, we're going to see the rest of the year is where they're deficient. And they're deficient. They, they didn't do a good job reinforcing the secondary cornerback, and they may pay even more now if Dallas Flowers is out for a while, and he probably is. He was on crutches in the locker room. And he's room. been a nice player for them. He has, and this is a guy that played, you know, defense for the first time in December. Uh, and they paid the price for not really paying attention to the offensive line, which is which is not the way they've normally done things. And they put Blake Freeland out there at left tackle, and he's not ready. And that, that's not Blake Freeland's fault. You, you know, the, the, a team's responsibility, in my mind, primarily, is don't put players in position to fail. Don't have Dallas Clark try to block Mario Williams. Things like that. Well, you know, and they put Bernard Ryman out there last year in Denver when he wasn't ready. Well, this isn't his fault. This is a, a, a franchise failure in this instance. You know, I realize Ryman came up late last week with the concussion symptoms, but but you still should have been prepared for something. You know, Ryman get hurt. So, but no, I think what you're saying is true. We've seen we're seeing growth spurts, and we're going to see it. More and more, you know. I still want to see Richardson do more in the pass game. Now, some of those, some of those deep passes are just are are just right there. They're really elite throws, 
and he's got to get better on on the the I guess touch pass or something under things underneath. That'll come. This is what this is who he was in college. You know the the fifty was the fifty three percent completions. But if you look at his line and he's eleven for twenty five for two hundred yards, you're thinking, man, what a crappy game. No, it's pretty good. He he just had the slow start and then he heated up and then they could convert convert on that last drive. But you, you just we've said from the start. This entire season is about getting the quarterback reps and really the future. What you do this year is great. And what really kind of frustrates fans and media, all of us, is they're sitting there at two and one and they've got four out of five at home. And all of a sudden you can you can kind of mesh growing pains with some wins and then who knows? Or then you kinda of take a step back if that's the word we want to use. But but as long as the quarterback keeps progressing and I think we're seeing that then people simply have to say well there's one they should have gotten but they didn't you move on and you, re- you really need to get one against Tennessee there's there's so much going on with Tennessee and in the back and forth between you know this franchise and Mike Vrabel and should he have been there, whatever else but this is all about getting the quarterback better and so far we've seen that I, I think Mike I thought and feel free to disagree with me here I thought all things considered, and like you mentioned, you know, Ryman being kind of a, a late in the, in the week, like, oh, wow, okay. I, I thought the line was pretty competent and, and, for the most part, pretty reliable yesterday, but I also feel like there's a danger in the more that you try to rely on on that, the more water is going to find its level, and it's going to, and all of a sudden you're going to have some issues, right? And and you know what we're seeing already, we're only a quarter of the way in, is that you need to have depth there, and you need to have guys that are. In other words, I thought yesterday it was patch meal, okay, all things considered, but a dangerous precedent to become too reliant on having to go to that well. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I I don't think they were quite to the level that you thought they were. I, I thought that, of course, you got Aaron Donald. I mean, and he just wrecks the best defense, offensive lines. I thought he wrecked it. And we were talking in the press box that if that were Matt Ryan back there, how many sacks would, would they have gotten? You know, six, seven, I don't know. Because Richardson does help erase pressure. But, and, you know, but, but again, I, I don't think Freeland was ready yet. He was what, a fourth-round pick. And, and, oh, by the way, you're missing Ryan Kelly. And while we're here, uh, kudos and congratulations to Ryan and Emma for twins. It was it Duke and Ford? They've been through so much. So, you know, really, really kudos to them for starting their family and all that. But but, I, but I, st- I still – now, they needed a better option at left tackle. And, again, that's not meant as a, a shot on Freeland, but they needed – a reliable tackle because if it's not Ryman getting a concussion late last week, it's Ryman or somebody or Braden Smith. Remember Braden Smith didn't practice Friday either with that hand. So uh, I I just think they they needed to play better. They didn't get the running game going until late. I thought that was a reflection of of the offensive line. So I'm not quite as post-game high on the offensive line's performance as you are, but you know that's they, they were still in position to win. That, that that's the bottom line is they were still in position with a minute, whatever it was, and, and change to go with a chance to win, and and that's kind of encouraging, I think. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Mike Chappell, Fox 9 and CBS 4 is our guest. Chapp, I have a love-hate relationship with this next question that I'm going to throw your way, and it's by no means I want to clarify in the front end me saying, oh, if the Colts don't do this, they win that game. It's just it's a terrible decision. But it's more just a curiosity and a philosophy question uh, in regards to Shane Steichen. So they go for it on fourth and seven from their own 31, 340 to play in the third quarter instead of kicking a field goal. That They don't get it. I'm not saying that's why they lost the game. My question is, do you think that is a... It's in plus territory. That's a modern day philosophy. Plus, we have a young quarterback. We want him to get further experience and challenge him in a fourth and seven to see what he does. Or do you think that is just that's what Shane Steichen's going to do if they're in plus territory? He's going to have the modern look at it and do what the numbers say and go for it. I think it'll be situations. I, I don't think you know. I, I don't think he's out. Yeah, this is a good chance to get my quarterback fourth and whatever. No, I don't think that's it. It's just that at, at that time he thought. Here's where here's where we we need to get this. We should get this, and and, and keep momentum. It's going to be situations. It's obvious he's going to be an aggressive coach. You know, Frank Reich was an aggressive coach. You know, if the situation was right. So, but I think we need to get used to that with this guy. And now we, we don't need to go. What was it? Fourth and one at your own twenty-four with a lead like the guy out and with the Chargers does. That that's a bit. <laughs> That's reckless. That's not. That's not. That's not. That's reckless. But I, I generally have liked the the plays he's called when he's done it. I wasn't crazy when it was fourth and or first and goal at the four, and they ran Moss twice. I I I, I like the ball in my quarterback's hands down there because he's going to make something happen. Generally good with his legs, but you know I, I really don't have too many, uh, if any, beefs so far. It's just going to be the feel of the game. I don't think it has much to do with exposing your young quarterback to as many situations as possible. It's what felt right at that time in the game. Mike, to, to piggyback kind of off that in terms of – Mike Chappell's our guest from CBS4 and WXAN. To, to piggyback a little more off of like the Anthony Richardson approach schematically, to me there seems to be somewhat of a catch-22 in the fact that to get a young quarterback comfortable, you want to – keep him within his comfort zone to an extent and for him that comfort zone probably is using his legs to open up the passing game but there's obviously a danger in any quarterback in running too often and taking the punishment that you try to save from any quarterback let alone a young one is that a balancing act that the Colts have to explore even further yeah but but I I tell you I really think that I would prefer to see him out on the edge with design runs, that's or exactly. Whatever. Somebody just texted me and said, "Why are they doing no like design rollouts for him?" Well, because I think you can. I think the quarterback can protect himself. I really do. I think you're going to see quarterbacks get blown up in the pocket. You get a, you get rolled on, and I think if when the quarterback does things the right way, what was it first play when he slid, got out there and ran and slid, and and the crowd cheered. Yeah, the crowd cheered. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a quarterback generally can protect himself to where you're not just going to get that linebacker and just level you. I really do. And you can run out of bounds. You can go down. You, you can really avoid 
massive hits unless the situation calls for you at the goal line to, you know, try to take it in. Remember Andrew Luck down there against Denver when he lacerated whatever it was, his kidney. It was a football play. So I, 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 I'm not that that upset about or concerned about quarterbacks outside, but you got you got to know when when wins enough. And, and I remember watching some plays in Buffalo where Josh Allen is still, you know, trying to leap guys and lower your shoulder. That's just stupid, unless the situation calls for it. But I, I'm not concerned about Richardson out on the edge because I do think that the more he plays, the more he's going to realize and understand when to get down and when wins enough. And, and so, no, I'm really not too concerned with that because I think both Steichen, what they hit three or four you know, designed runs in the first eight or nine plays. So I, I think they, they're trusting the quarterback to protect himself as much as he can out there. Should we be concerned about Shaquille Leonard? Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. No, right now, no. Only because I think, and we probably talked about this before the season started, is is what he, he's he's still coming back, trying to get back to where he was from two back surgeries. And the positive thing is he's been out there, and we've seen no lingering effects as far as the injury. He's not really missing practice time. Now they've, he's not playing as much as before because he's they're taking him out in, in past situations and oh by the way he wasn't out there in overtime but I I, I kind of expected a a quiet start because you know the first the first box you want to check is how's the body holding up and is, is he getting his speed back and I think he is if if we're still here in November in December, where boy, you know, where is he at? There's some concern. There's concern because of the contract, and he's. I've not got the numbers in front of me, but but he's making you know eighteen, nineteen million dollars a year, and you can't project paying that kind of money if you're not convinced he's going to get back to where he was. But I think where he's at right now, in my mind, is kind of where I thought he would be. Because he hasn't played effective foot, he hasn't been able to play effective football since 2021. Those three games last year were just kind of window dressing to see where he's at and to see that he wasn't ready to come back. So right now, no. Later in the season, maybe. Longtime Colts beat writer Mike Chapel joins us. Chap. When you look at the snap counts from yesterday's game, specifically with the tight end room, it split as follows: 55 percent for. Granson, 44% for Ogletree, 27% for Allie Cox, and that is without, of course, Jelani Woods being a part of anything with him being on IR. My question is this, is there going to be any separation in that room as a clear tight end number one, or is it going to be a by-committee approach because they all kind of do different things for this offense? Probably by committee, and maybe one game it's this guy, one game it's that way. It, it, it was really good to see uh, for, for him that Ollie Cox had a chance to you know, run over people, which he's very good at doing. And he's still the premier blocker. So many times he's that, that third tight end in formations. Uh, the other guys are going to have to pick and choose, you know, whether it's Mallory being up or down. or And, and then when Zolani Woods comes back, well, I think he's due, can come back this week, I think. But I tell you, as far as playmaking – and again, Granson and, and, and Granson and and Ogletree are sort of different. It just seems like the way they use them. But those two guys can make plays. 
it's a really good a good room. It's good room. It's just going to be hard to see how they're going to divvy up times in this offense right now. It looks like it's Richardson's a lot more comfortable going tight ends than receivers, unless that receiver is Josh Downs. What they uh, I think Pearson uh, Pittman. What they have two catches, three catches yesterday, and all 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 late. That's just you, – you, it's hard to operate an offense when, when you're not getting your wide receivers, your outside receivers involved. And this is after Pittman had 25, 26 catches in the first three games. But that's – I still think part of that's a function of learning how to use the quarterback and meshing his run game with throwing and getting him comfortable. So we're four games in. You know, we're still only four games into to his career – and I, I think they're still trying to figure out how best to use what he does. Mike, I had asked this question last week, and, and I'll ask you now. I, I, I don't know, to me, I don't know that we have any more a definitive answer. But every quarterback has a guy that kind of becomes their say. You know, I remember, let's go back to 98, for those that were around and, and can remember it. I think a lot of people forget. Marvin Harrison got hurt that year in Peyton Manning's rookie year. He had Falk behind him, which is a pretty good safety net. Right. From a receiving standpoint, I feel, I remember Torrance Small was here. Yeah. It kind of became like a like a a comfort zone for Manning, right? That was kind of his safety net guy. And I feel like Anthony Richardson, if there's going to be a safety net guy for him and it's not Pittman, it would be one of the tight ends. But I don't know yet, and I haven't figured out which tight end is going to be his most comfortable or reliable target. It seems very interchangeable, which I guess is a good problem to have. But who is the best tight end they have? Oh, Ogletree right now, probably. Uh, Granson gives you indications, and then there's a play or two he doesn't make. I, I couldn't tell on the replay even a couple times whether the DB got his hands on that ball on the sideline or whether Granson just didn't make what would have been a really a tough catch near the end. Uh, it seems to me like the way they use these guys at Granson – would be the safety net, you know, the third and seven guy. Uh, and, and Ogletree's more of a intermediate or, or a deeper threat. But, yeah, I, I would I would like to know, if I'm a quarterback, I'd like to know, boy, this, this is, you know, the Jack Doyle. You know, when you just knew, third and seven, he's going to get you eight. And we always used to joke he was Jack, 7.9 yards of Doyle. Well, that's, that, that's pretty reliable to have when you need it. And, and he was always there. But I think, again, I, I fall back on they're still trying to figure out who that guy is. Is it Josh Downs? I, I don't know. Right now it doesn't appear to be it, – it's certainly not Alec Pierce. They need to get him going. And up until this past week, it was Michael Pittman, even though they weren't really deep shots, except for the one you know, at, at Baltimore. So it's just – it's inconsistent. But, boy, you like to have one guy that you know when it's really – you know, down to brass tacks that this guy's probably going to be the guy, you know, like Nakua for crying out loud with Stafford. Uh, but these guys haven't got that yet, and hopefully in the next three or four games that guy will emerge. Mike Chappell is our guest. Chap, it's the million-dollar question of the week, nay, the million-dollar question of the whole offseason. What happens with Jonathan Taylor this week? Well, from what I was told, he's going to practice. He's going to be clear, and he's going to practice. He he could have already passed a physical. I don't know. That's step one. We'll talk to Shane Steichen at 2.30 and see if he has any updates. He might. He might not. But, you know, this is is where something's 
something's got to happen. I was told that he will. The, the plan is to have him practicing this week. That opens up that 21-day window. I mean, theoretically, he could play Sunday against Tennessee just because that's the way the mechanics are. Now, I, that would be highly, highly unlikely. You know, more likely the week after, in my mind, maybe more likely, you know, the third game back. But th- this is when something's got – there's got to be movement. And the movement's going to be on his part. I don't you know. The team's not going to blink. The team. Why, why would the team that wouldn't give him an extension in the off season give him one now when he's when he's missed four games and hasn't proven to anybody that he's healthy? Until he practices, you don't know. He's been telling us by by his actions that he's not healthy. That the ankle's still an issue. Well, he needs to get out there and really prove it. To, to, to the team and maybe to the rest of the league that, hey, I'm back to who I was two years ago. I'm still an elite running back. Well, the only way you can do that is to play. And let's not kid ourselves. If he comes back and, and is, a, is, is close to what he was, he's a difference maker. He is. You know, good for Zach Moss and all he's done, but Jonathan Taylor is a different level. He just is. But it's going to be on him to, to – you know, come out and, and, and somehow I don't say prove it, but but just show people that that he that he does have it. He's healthy, and yeah, this situation sucks for him. But you have to make the most of it. You just can't you just can't not you know put forth the effort, which I don't think he would even remotely do. So this week or next week, we're going to get some movement, and I think we all we all applaud that. You know the Mike. Let's just say for the sake of argument that Jonathan Taylor comes back, plays, and is a positive aspect for them, and it really jumpstarts their offense, and it works out just as everyone would hope it would. The reality is it would be how long before that would even be possible. In other words, if he's healthy and if his head is there, it would take how long for him to even be from a health standpoint ready to go? Once he steps on the field, probably two or three games, okay. four games. Uh, I remember when we talked to Zach Moss before the opener. Remember he had the broken forearm, and they didn't play him in the opener. And he said, you know, we said, well, at least it wasn't your legs. You could stay in shape. He said, no. He said, and he just said how quickly a player lo- loses football conditioning, football shape. Well, Taylor hasn't played since December. Uh, the last game he played, he played like two snaps on the ankle. He just then he shut it down. So, and I was told, you know, one of the concerns they had through all of this is that he wasn't in football shape. Well, you can't get in football shape unless you play. I think there's only so much you can do on the side and, and doing your own rehab. But I think once he gets back, I think we've seen running backs can 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 be an impact very quickly. You know, I go, I always go back to Edron James, who, who was a freak. Well, let's remember he's a freak. But he barely had any training camp, and he and he wins fully rushing title. So running backs can do that, but but he's got to get back in football shape. So I think maybe his third game back, maybe whenever that is, he could really start being more of a a feature guy instead of maybe just spot him here and there the first few games, however they want to use him. But first first things first, he's got to go in the practice field. Then he's got to get be cleared and added to the active roster, and that can be any time between you know, now and 21 days. Mike, we appreciate it. As always, going to be an interesting time, especially now with the Jonathan Taylor return. 
uh, to keep an eye on it. So we'll look for your coverage on that, CBS4WXIN, and always appreciate your time each week. Enjoy the week. Thanks, guys. All right, Mike Chappell joining us on the hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Halfway through the program on a Monday, Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison here as well. Don Fisher is the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, joins us now on the program. And Don... I actually was thinking about this. I was listening to you on Saturday. I had to vent out of the speedway, and I was driving around town listening to the game. And very early in the game, my initial thought was, boy, Don Fisher looked into a crystal ball because he had said that he was worried that Maryland offensively had the chance to be really explosive, and they wasted no time getting to it, right? I, I, I literally – you cut out of me, Jake. I'm on a highway right now. You cut out, and I, you said – and Don Fisher something, and then I didn't hear anymore. I was talking about how good-looking you are and what a legend you are. I'm sorry you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying you. it was like you had a crystal ball because you seemed pretty dialed into the fact that you thought – and, I mean, listen, obviously the, the tape would indicate it going into it, but it seemed like you were genuinely concerned that Maryland was going to be able to get out and get out and go running against Indiana and get points early, and that's exactly what happened, and then all of a sudden they were playing against the eight ball. Exactly. Um, you know, you just you, what would probably bother me the most about the first half, or at least the first quarter, again, was Indiana's inability to stop any big plays. I mean, they gave up way too many yards on virtually everything that Maryland tried with everything Maryland threw at them. Uh, they just gave up too many big plays. Uh, so the defense, again, was a bit of a struggle, to say the least. And uh, the offense, you know, has been a little erratic here in the last two or three ball games now. And you start to worry a little bit about it. So uh, it was, to me, it was a very poor performance from Indiana's perspective. Uh, yeah, they got 17 points in the final quarter. Uh, what does that mean? It means that Maryland was playing their backups a good portion of the, or their backups on the uh, in the final 15 minutes of the football game, and that's that's no knock on uh, the, the performance by Brendan Sorsby, who actually played very well at his opportunity. But right now, this team is struggling mightily, and it, and the bye week couldn't have come along at a better time because they need to regroup, and obviously they're going to do that in the sense of offensively because they let go of the offensive coordinator, Walt Bell, and replaced it with Rod Carey. And so let's get to that, Don. You know, I think everybody knows. Matter of fact, I think we mentioned it. You know, there was kind of an awkward moment uh, in the coach's show last week where essentially Tom Allen was asked or suggested about the coaching change at the offensive coordinator position. Um, were you surprised that it would happen midseason like that? I'll be honest with you, I wasn't surprised. Um, And the reason I wasn't surprised is because of the way things have gone here in these initial ball games of the season. I I think, and and this is not a knock on Walt Bell's ability as an offensive coordinator, other than to say that the plays that were run in very uh, interesting situations, I say interesting in the sense that we might have expected some other play being called. Uh, they weren't called. 
and and the plays that look like they might work in that situation or those situations did it, it just didn't happen. And I'll be honest, the, the grousing that we've heard from the fan base and those kinds of things for all season at this point, um, you've got to say, well, it's not a big surprise because nobody seems happy with it. And yeah, the guy in the talk show brought it up and. He didn't actually call for the resignation, but he basically intimated that, Tom, you have a decision to make here. And people, I guess, reacted to Tom's, you know, because Tom, Tom just kind of smiled about it and didn't make any comment whatsoever. And I don't know what ex- what people expected him to do in that scenario, unless they wanted to go Bob Knight all over them. <laughs> but the whole point is, um, we just haven't seen much from the offense from a play-calling perspective. And so I was not surprised. Uh, and we've talked about it, you know, privately over the last couple of years about uh, the play-calling and, and the, those kinds of things. And, of course, last year wasn't much better than you know, what we saw the year before, which was not a good year with two wins. So, honestly, Jake, I, I, all I can tell you is I think – Tom did the only thing that he could do in this search, in this situation. And Rod Carey is a guy that I've known since he was a player at Indiana. He had a terrific career at Northern Illinois. Uh, he coached at Temple. Uh, they let him go. There were obviously some circumstances there that were factors in his being let go. Uh, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a guy that has always been offensive-minded. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been an offensive line coach, and he's been a head coach who had a lot of success at Northern Illinois, and he's had seven teams go to bowl games when he's been a head coach. So uh, I think Indiana could have made a better choice, at least at this point in the season. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is our guest, and you mentioned with Kerry over those stops, 64 and 57 bowl appearances to his name. Don, with so many question marks, though, on the offensive side of the ball, is a week enough time? I mean, let alone that Michigan's waiting on the schedule, but is a week enough time for them to transform in a way that that makes things more palatable from an offensive standpoint? I, I do think that that's that's a possibility. I, I think I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm simply saying I think that they can make changes that could help. I really do believe that, and I think uh, Rod Carey's a guy that that I have a lot of I have a lot of faith in. I think he he's going to make a lot of the right calls in this situation. It doesn't mean, again, I'm not trying to disparage Walt Bell in any way. I, I think Walt's a great guy. I think he's a really smart person. Uh, but he just didn't have the success at Indiana that people expected him to have, and therefore the change was made. But as far as what's to come, uh, without doubt, if it couldn't come at a better time, I don't know when you would have made that decision because you do need time to change things and to change the thinking process. Uh, yep, Michigan's his next opponent. Uh, that makes things even more difficult, but at the same time, you want to give these guys and these players a chance. Um, and at this juncture, um, I, I don't see any change at quarterback. I think David Jackson certainly deserves the opportunity to continue. Um, I don't think a lot of this necessarily is on him. Uh, and I think what we do need to see, we do need to see a, a big change in how the offense goes about their business on the football field. And I think we'll get that with Rod Carey. Don, it's interesting. Don Fisher's our guest, the voice of the Hoosiers. Um, as I'd mentioned, when I was listening to the broadcast on Saturday, 
something dawned on me, and, and we had talked last time we talked with you about the transfer portal and just how that's a, a challenge at times and can help a team as well. When you were doing the introductions for Indiana's defense and you're announcing each player in, in their hometown, I think the first five players you mentioned, you mentioned by way of Texas A&M, by way of, you know, in different schools where, where kids had transferred. Does that does that mean that we still need to be patient with camaraderie and chemistry of a defense, or should they have been able to have gelled together by now? Is there still a gelling process that takes place with that many guys that have not played with one another? I do think that there is still that process ongoing, Jake, although uh, at, at times you want to say, well, they've been together long enough for that not to happen or those kinds of things, but... Again, I, I, I do think that because of the number of guys that are on this defense, and let's face it, they only have two starters returning from last year. So there is a process involved here, and it does take some time. We've seen them play pretty well at times. That's, that's the disappointing thing. Certainly we thought they did a decent job against Ohio State. They, they certainly were uh, decent against Indiana State. They were they were not great in the first half against Louisville, and yet they came back in the second half and threw basically a shutout. So, I, you know, it's so hard to understand what's going on with this ball club right now, and I think confidence can be lost very quickly, as we all know, at Indiana University, uh, and hopefully that is not the case, but, boy, last week it certainly didn't look good. Well, there's one thing we can definitely agree on. In fact, we can agree on it so much to a point that it was the lead sentence on IUHoosiers.com. An Indiana football bye week could not have come at a better time. Don Fisher, our guest. Don, you enjoy the bye week, and we'll talk to you on the countdown to Michigan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me.